One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Recording. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Fail Like an Artist with your hosts, Julie Battisti and me, Phoebe Ganza, a podcast discussing all the ways we've failed as artists with insight, advice and humour. Each episode, we will discuss a failure and what we've learnt from it. Howdy doody, Phoebe. Howdy doody, Julie. Do- <laughs> Howdy doody, Lily. Howdy doody, Julie. Sorry. <laughs> it's the evening. <laughs> we've had a long day. Um, we're sat together doing another record. And, um, yeah, quite excited about this one. Yeah, I'm very excited for this interview. I've been a big fan of um, Alice's work for a while and also have been listening to Art Juice for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I know you've had a bit more to do with her, so I'm going to let you do the introduction. Okay, thank you. Um, Yes, for those of you who don't know, Alice Sheridan is one half of the very successful and popular podcast Art Juice. Um, with her co-host Louise Fletcher and she is an abstract painter from London in the UK and she also has a uh, membership program for artists called the Connected Artist Club um, that I have been a part of and uh, she's just a very lovely person with um, always lots of very insightful knowledge if you've ever listened to Art Juice I'm sure you will have um found what she says interesting so yeah we're going to pick her brains today and um ask her about some of her fails so looking forward to that yay let's get stuck in okay let's invite her on howdy doody and howdy doody howdy doody alice (laughs) today we have alice sheridan joining us as a as another fail like an artist co-host so welcome alice to the the flap studio (laughs) I've never heard you use that abbreviation before, Flap Studio. It feels somewhat appropriate sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we like to call it that. We could like to call it the Flap Podcast. You know, <laughs> it feels like the worst abbreviation, like the worst acronym. When when we wrote it, when we wrote down "Fail Like an Artist" podcast and realized the ac- acronym was Flap, you know, it, it felt perfect. pretty perfect. 
<laughs> we um, have a little list of really appropriate names. Like my son had a music teacher called Mrs. Bell, and oh, wow. those kind of collections of things. So I think yeah. flap as an abbreviation is spot on. <laughs> Alice is um, joining us today and we're going to be asking her about some fails and um, hopefully you're going to be willing to kind of, I don't know, get a bit vulnerable and share. Always. (laughs) Okay, so to jump straight in, do you want to ask the first question? Yeah. We, uh, we could start with saying how are you oh, okay before we, we did, oh, did we've we, we done that all right cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh when I was still settling my kids <laughs> I missed all of it you missed all the free chat <laughs> I always miss the free chat um okay. I'll assume you're good then but let, all right we'll, we'll skip ahead you, you're good you had a you had a big birthday recently Alice did you I did have a big birthday recently, but we're not really a big one for celebrating birthdays. We don't make a big fuss about birthdays. Yeah, no, birthdays. we don't in our family. Um, mm. So, you know, I kind of asked for a bottle of nice bubble bath and my husband said I couldn't find it. The shop didn't have it. And that was that really. <laughs> <laughs> so should we put that down as number one, fail at big birthdays? Well, for my 30th, my husband bought me a, um, a bottle of salad dressing. <laughs> <laughs> And he, in his argument, it was really nice, expensive salad dressing for a very nice shop that was fancy. So, yeah, okay. Last year for my husband's 40th, we'd planned this like week, this whole week away up in Auckland and we all got COVID and got stuck at home and he got stuck looking after me while we were all sick. It was like, happy birthday. <laughs> I mean, it's just another day, isn't it? It's, it's quite nice because I have had some friends who've turned 50 and they've kind of like one that we met the other day and I said how was yours earlier in the year and he said the actual birthday was fine he said the run-up to it I was mm. like there was quite a lot going on I haven't felt that at all I've just kind of felt like woohoo 50 what have the last 10 years been like just That's imagine good. what the next 10 are going to be you know mm. um I think I remember last time I looked on your insta you had like a 50 things you were going to do before yeah did you done that Okay. that's number two on the fail okay we'll come back but we are you going to do anything kind of to celebrate like a holiday anywhere like a big we did do a nice we did a nice family dinner out uh which also didn't work very well it took two hours for the main courses to arrive so by the time they got there um I was kind of climbing the walls with hunger and I'd ask her waiter very nicely if he could possibly bring us a basket of bread which I didn't think was that unreasonable apparently it was really unreasonable I'm like, I don't know that's going to take just as long to get from the kitchen as your meal will you might as well just not ask for that. you might as well just go down to the nearest garage and buy a loaf of Slots that like, okay so right that was that um I'm going I'm going on holiday with my husband without children and it's the first Ooh. time we've done it for about 12 years so that will be very oh, nice wow. that yeah, but cool. I'm not, I, we we haven't booked the skydiving yet where are you going like are you, are you going somewhere special we're going to Sardinia which I've never been to before. oh nice lovely lovely so it's been on the wish list so yes yeah, nice things and I think just more I think it's almost been a point of just feeling, um, you know, it doesn't have to be about a big celebration, but just check in. Are you spending your time doing what you want to do? I've made more Mm. of a point of seeing friends, arranging evenings, going out. I spent the Mm. day yesterday just hanging out for lunch with a friend rather than charging ahead and doing all the things. Summer kind of does that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All right. right. So... Are you ready to start talking about your 
You failed. Your biggest or most challenging failure. When I said yes to being on the podcast, I'd kind of forgotten the title of it. (laughs) Spoiler alert. So when when you sent me the list of questions, I kind of thought, oh, actually, this is quite hard. Um, And this morning when I was writing notes downstairs and I was chatting to my husband, I said to him, I said, the thing is, I don't really do failure. (laughs) And he said... And he said, yeah, that is completely true. (laughs) I think it is a mindset thing, though. Right. And this is why Yeah, some people say to us, oh, well, you changed the name of your podcast because it's a bit negative. And like, I don't like to look at failure as something, you know, that's, you know, I don't, you know, everything, nothing's a failure. And so we're trying to sort of say, yeah, you can still learn from it. And we get that. But like, there are still times in your life where things don't go perhaps to plan. And you, you know, doesn't mean you have to be all doom and gloom about how it turns out. But um, we're just interested in those moments rather, you know, rather than like some sort of catastrophe that was terrible and left you crying and sobbing on the floor. Like a small stumble or a big stumble that makes you pivot and change tack, and that might change the course of whatever you were doing in a significant way. And I think it doesn't mean that that failure was necessarily catastrophic. It just means it provided some insight or changed the way you thought about mm. something or taught you something about yourself like I feel or like took I've... you down a path that perhaps you wouldn't have even noticed or gone down mm. before yeah yeah because failure feels quite final doesn't it and I always just think of things that are failures as just incomplete they're just things that you know you learn along the way they're just a mismatch with what's right for you at the right time mm. um you know, but on, a, on, a, on another basis, you know, you know, I fail every day. I fail to get home in time to discuss studio rentals yesterday. I failed to do any sketchbook work this summer. But I do remember, I do remember a time when I was going for my degree show, not degree show, degree interview. And that was, those were right. the days when they interviewed everybody. Yeah, I had all so of those. Take all your portfolio, mm. mm-hmm. lug it up stand in a room that. with someone kind of like turning through yeah, all the pages yeah. of your work pulling faces and like skipping over the ones that you thought were your best work and picking up on the ones that you were like why did I even put that in there mm-hmm. and um I really just wanted to get on this one degree course this was the only thing that I wanted to do and I came out and I was convinced I'd failed and that was it and um, my mum was with me and I burst into tears and she said, well, go and sit in a pub. People are always crying in pubs. <laughs> oh, nice. Sounds and like a good mum. Yeah. <laughs> and we went and we sat in, the, in a pub and we worked out a plan for what to do if I didn't get in. Because mm. that's, that's so sweet. That really felt like a failure. Mm. That really felt like. And I just wonder if there's something in when failures feel more when you've got your heart set on something like Mm. the little things Julie that you say that kind of happen along the way that you think oh whoops I didn't do that you just kind of pick up and get on but like the things that feel like failures are where there's a big gap between Mm -hmm. what you wanted Mm. and what actually happened that expectation I think and it's like when you've got all your hopes set on something so it's like when you've applied for a award that you didn't even get selected for Mm. or like the university thing really resonates I remember doing those interviews as well and lugging all your work up the stairs and just thinking I really want this one like and then you have to wait did you guys we had to wait like three months to find out yeah yeah usually then I did a late thing where I 
went down and tried change decided at the last minute to change universities because I had because my boyfriend was <laughs> lived the other end of the country and wanted to I wanted to stay down there anyway ended up marrying him yeah <laughs> so did you it. did you get into the program I'm kind of keen to know yes I told yeah. you I don't do failure <laughs> <laughs> was it what you expected I guess that's the the second follow-up yeah it was great I mean I think I'd chosen the course quite carefully and I also think that there is something then in the idea of failure like if it's um like failing really where you set your sights set set your sights high like how high do you set your sights to begin with Mm. And I think that's a huge learning for us. Like, how much do we avoid failure by playing safe? Mm. So I was going for, I really wanted, I really wanted the course that I went for, but it wasn't the top art course in the country. If I'd mm. gone for the top design course in the country, there's a higher chance that I really would have failed at it. Yeah. Did I not do that? Because I was more scared of the mm. risk of failing to not get in. And I think that's an interesting question to continually keep asking yourself as you go, how, what am I pulling back from? Mm. Because I. Well, that's that whole, like that, the higher you reach, the further you'll fall type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's much easier to sort of not even reach very far at all. But you, you must have taken some big, because I mean, you guys starting the podcast when you did would have been an unusual thing, like, because you guys were real, um, Transit, not transitors, what's the word when you're the Pioneers? first? Yeah, in the art scene. Like, I don't remember too many other art podcasts that weren't interviews apart from you guys from that, that are more than a year or two old. But I think the association with that, like, in my mind, there was no risk yeah. in that. Okay, fair. Because yeah. if, if it didn't work out, then there's nothing, you know, Nothing ventured, nothing gained, but also nothing lost. Because I remember when we started, for that first few weeks, I was like, oh, God, we've told everyone that we're doing this thing. If it flops, I'm going to, it'll be, that'll be such a big, like. It'll be so on brand. Yeah, true. <laughs> but that was like one of my big things. It was like, I don't want to, I almost was like, I was so timid to start it in case it didn't work out yeah. because then it was a real public thing. Like we'd told it. I think there's, there's always elements of that, but I don't think the, the podcast for me certainly wasn't that because it was purely a let's have a go and see if we enjoy doing it mm. yeah um I don't know what fa I mean I don't even know what failure would have been at that point like we were super thrilled when 300 people listened mm. you know yeah and it's grown yeah. hugely yeah. since then and um, but I think that's that's the point like how do you set your your barrier for what is a fail particularly when it's something you don't know what it is yet when it's something mm. that's so new to you whereas I think when there are other things like getting into the course or um I think other things that people feel as failures are things like when you apply for a submission for an open show and you get rejected from mm. that that's a very definitive no fail yeah mm. that's, it. that's a fail isn't it you either passed yeah well you fail that so this is one of the things that I do in a way so that nothing feels like a failure is I always have I always try to and whenever there's a situation kind of make it a win-win mm. 
So make it so that there's a second option. So either this work gets submitted for this submission or I'll have it for this show or Mm. I will turn it around and I will do a focus maybe on selling that and highlighting it in my newsletter or something like that. That's so lovely. Mm. So that there's always a next step. Yeah, that's a really good reframe. Yeah, I Mm. I, I submitted a piece for a art art prize last year and didn't get in and I felt quite rejected and it felt personal even though like it wasn't but you know when you look at the list and your name's not on it and stuff but then yeah I sent the painting to a gallery and it sold so but I never really thought of it like that I felt like that Mm. was the second best option you know but actually okay it's not really and it's not it's not a second best at all is it I think it's just that it's how we deal with those sinking feelings mm-hmm. and also how often they how often they are part of your experience of life and I mm. do think you need them because I do think you grow from them and I think they teach you you know sometimes they teach you you're heading down the wrong path like if you do something mm. and you keep hitting that okay either this isn't right for you or you need to build your skills a bit more or your experience a bit more mm. just keep going um but without a doubt, the biggest, like the, the biggest time that I was completely failing at everything, not just art, just failing at life. You and I have spoken about this, Phoebe. But, you know, when I had depression, talk about failure, like fail to get out of bed in the morning, fail to mm. operate, like failure in every sense. And again, I think mm. it was an expectation thing. Um, and also it was absolutely the worst time and the hardest time Mm. and the years that came after I wouldn't swap for the world yeah because without that and what I had to learn to kind of rebuild for myself there is no doubt I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing without having been set on the journey so Mm. I think that that, that's where again there's a sense of like really embracing failure and just making sure that you don't see it as a full it's never a full stop never yeah. a full mm. stop mm. it might just be a, a long pause a long pause can be a long pause yeah mm. or just something to bat you off in another direction maybe mm. i feel like that that whole sentiment leads us really nicely into mm. our second question was how does failure affect your life as an artist and is that sort of do you reckon that's kind of your mantra is that it's never it's never a full stop. Yeah, and I think I've just I think I've just built it in. I think by nature, have you two done your human design? No. Yeah. I like I veer it. away from that sort of stuff. Like, Do you? She doesn't <laughs> yeah. like any of that. I, I is that the one where you're like a projector? Yes. Yeah, so I'm a projector. What are you? You might no, you're a, you'd be a manifesting generator, wouldn't you? I'm a generator. You're, I'm a generator. But it's the other things. It's the like the number <laughs> thing in your profile and like the enneagram type thing. Yeah. It it's I find enneagram a bit harder to land with. Mm. Um a bit harder to figure out whereas what I like about human design was maybe I just discovered it at the at the right point, but reading my human design made sense of so many yeah. things. So like the three number in my profile, like how do I build in failure? It is that kind of experimentation, doing things by learning, pick up, carry on. Did it go right? Did it go wrong? It's just part of it. That is so much part of my three line in human design. 
it's part of, you know, probably your whole human design profile that you see something like that and that expands your way of looking at yourself in that it gives you, whereas for me, any of that sort of stuff, I feel like it constricts me, like I'm putting myself into a category and I instantly just go, I get a bit, no, I don't want to do it. So then I like run every, as fast as I can in the other direction. In the opposite direction. Yeah. And and like with all of those things, if it if it's not helpful for you, then it's not helpful. Just, yeah. um, but for me, it made sense of a lot of things that perhaps I was making myself feel I should be operating in a different way like Mm. you know put a lot of energy you know into something you know explore something for a long time and then just drop it lose interest in it move on to do something else you Mm. know that could become a oh why did you spend all that time and energy Mm. building that exploring that and then never finish it you know Mm. yeah I think knowing yourself in however makes sense to you but knowing, you know, and, and um, in accepting it like as, as a thing that you can't really change. So you may as well work with what you've got and and lean into those traits without any kind of shame or like feeling like you should change and just be like, this is who I am. Have and you done much of that sort of stuff? I've looked into it. But I mean, I think it's again, it's, it's kind of like the same as like me with my the ADHD diagnosis. It's like. It's just having like a kind of thing that goes, oh, that makes sense to me. And now I can look at the way I do things with a different mm. lens, you know, and it's, I don't know. We, I, I have done them. I did them a bunch of times when I worked in corporate. Like you, you were this sort of person and you worked well with this sort of person. But I, I've never I've never enjoyed it and I've never done it as an artist. I don't know why. I probably should face probably it. Should. I don't know. Yeah, I might we'll make see. you. <laughs> Your appreciation, well, I would hope that your understanding of yourself and your appreciation of yourself grows a bit as you get mm. older. And I think you tie yourself up in knots a little bit less. Mm. Um, and you do just kind of welcome the way you do things naturally. So if I look back to how I was working 10 years ago, I was definitely more focused on things like um finishing or for, I'll give you an example so things like I would set out to complete a series of work or a group of work however many I decided and it would be one of my things was if I'd started 10 I would finish 10 yeah right and I think at the time I needed that because I recognized that the danger was that there might be two that got a bit or three I mean they all get a bit tricky at some point but yeah. if there were three that get a little bit tricky like the very the huge temptation is okay those are a bit tricky I'm not sure what to do with those I'll leave those it's okay not to finish those yeah I'll just concentrate on the ones that are working and I felt like that very much I needed to not let myself do that not let myself off the hook go back to those figure out work work out what's not working in those and also to feel that sense of completion to feel that satisfaction from it Mm. so that was useful to me at the time now I'm much more relaxed about Mm. like if there are some that slip behind very often now I find that that's for a reason that they are slower to develop and very often those are the ones that somehow link into the next body of work right Mm. And so I'm less concerned about that idea of completing finishing, but very definitely, you know, when I started working and coming back to art, I needed to give myself that definition of completing finishing, not only from a learning point of view, but also from a satisfaction point of view, like feeling I was actually making progress. Otherwise it was too easy to just 
things just sort of overlay and drift and just continue. Hmm. Hmm. And did you ever get to that uh, one that was too tricky and you just didn't get to your 10 and then? No, you didn't ever, did you? Um, <laughs> no, back then I made myself make them all work. I made myself finish them. Um, sometimes what I do now, my favourite thing to do now is taking older paintings. And again, these have often been ones that have been real pivot pieces in the way that I work is going back to an older painting that has been finished, has been shown, has been up for sale mm. and deciding that my own practice, the way that I work has moved on so much that I'm never going to show that piece again. It no longer feels resonant with me at mm -hmm. all. And going back to it and destroying the surface a bit and working over it again. And the freedom that comes with that often leads to something really really new and there have been two that I can think of in the last five years where I've done that and I couldn't have done I couldn't have made that jump shift on a new plain canvas it would have it had to have happened mm -hmm. on an older work and I think that's also a really nice thing it's a nice kind of recognition of the fact that you have shifted you have changed your work mm -hmm. has moved on you don't have to hang on to all the old stuff yeah you, know, you can let it go a bit yeah and they're not sort of failure paintings that never sold. They're just actually, you know, jumping boards for the next series or. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just a real freedom in playing on that. And I, I love, I, intellectually, I like the idea that I'm building on something that I've already learned from before. Mm. And mm. that's part of the step that's helping me get to something that feels new for me now. There's no point in hanging on to old stuff that doesn't feel like you anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. No point. Artists mm. die under piles of clutter. Mm. I need to do a massive. I don't like hanging on to things, but I just tend to get, yeah, I get rid of them. <laughs> How I think... do you get rid of them? How do you get rid of them? I haven't had too many. There are quite. There are some that are literally under the bed at my mum's house in Australia, so I don't have to think about them. I've told her she can chuck them out, but she probably never will. Um, and I've got a couple that are rolled up in the studio, mm. and I, I keep telling myself so. There, there's a couple that were sort of the the linen I was using, I just, I, I literally got to the point where I'd put a couple of coats down and while I was doing it, I was like, this isn't going to work because the surface isn't what I want it mm -hmm. to be. And I called it, oh, it's maybe 20 hours in on a painting, you know, and you're just like, I have to call it now because if I spend another 20 hours and then decide still mm -hmm. that it's not what I would want as a finished piece, it'll be a real disaster. Yeah. And so I've just got, it's like two meters of linen that's already been painted on it. I keep telling myself I should cut it up and use it for some smaller works and just have it like I've already prepared the surface. Yeah. I've done the priming and I've done the first coat and on a smaller work it would be fine. But for two, for two metres it was too fine and it wasn't. But the specifics of that, like really knowing, like what you're talking about, knowing the linen that you would like to work on at different scales, there's, a, there's an expertise in knowing your craft at that point. And the ability to recognise that. Going back to your original question, I like that sense of exploring. And I think it's, you know, it's actually um, served me well to be to be quite public with that. And mm. I remember pre-going public with art, I did a course with somebody and it was all about um, just testing something, testing the minimum, minimum viable version of it just okay. getting it out 
working and it mine was totally non-art related mm-hmm. um and I remember when I made the decision that I wanted to give art a go again and give myself a bit of a time frame for how I could expand and I knew like there's no way I can be a I don't know what you call it proper artist professional artist whatever it is in six so the only thing I can do is just share what I'm doing as I go yeah as the only thing it's the only thing can do we're not experts like yeah we're never gonna when you know we might be an expert at something at some point before we die maybe mm. that's it so all you can do is just go this is where I am now this is what I'm doing and mm. just try not to get affected by other people's judgment and I have to say on the whole I mean, YouTube is probably to be avoided. YouTube is the only place where people really make mean comments. Mm, I haven't really played in that space. Yeah. I just can't be bothered. No, I can't either, really. I lasted I mean, like a week on threads. YouTube seems like way too big for me. Yeah. <laughs> I think YouTube is vicious, but I think, you know, that's why we keep coming back to Instagram because actually it is a fairly safe place to do it and again it is a it is a playground see it as a playground yeah Mm -hmm. you've got to get used to sharing and showing your stuff and that doesn't mean to say that you shouldn't have quality control no self-quality control yeah you don't have to show yourself you don't have to video yourself crying because you (laughs) you know there's ways of sharing your failures like I remember doing a live stream once when I came back from an art fair and I, it felt like I'd had a really good time, but I think I'd only sold one painting, mm. you know, and talking to people about that, you know, I wasn't going to hide mm. behind that. I've done an art fair. It was all really great. Everyone came along mm. and loved my work. It was like, Oh, actually as it is now, I've only sold one painting. That's not good. You know, mm. it's not good financially. Uh, where do we go from here? And the the relief I think whenever we see somebody share something a bit like that mm. makes us just feel a bit better, doesn't it? Because oh, it, yeah. it's always going to be part of the journey. Mm. Mm. Galleries is another one I failed at. Mm. Really? Yeah. In what way? Um, I think in the official sense of again this story of in order to be an artist you need to have a gallery and a relationship and a gallery that represents you Mm. that's never happened okay it's never been something that I've consciously desired Mm. I'm sure an element of that is a (laughs) is it a fear of what it will involve whenever I try and imagine it I can never get my mind to imagine it working in a way that feels like it would be good. Mm. And so therefore I've never really pursued it Mm. and therefore I'm not open to it. And therefore it's not happened. It's happened in kind of like little ways. Yeah. Cause you've had shows. Yeah. Yeah. But they've never been hugely successful. Okay. Or you've never then gone, Oh, please. Can I have more work at your. It's always been somewhat, a little bit disappointing the one time that was really good that I really loved was a gallery show and then we got a second covid shutdown and nobody could go and nobody could see it 
And I remember going to pick the work up at the end. And that was really great because I remember standing in this space and not having seen it for like three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. And the work looked fantastic. And that moment for me was lovely. Yeah. But as a gallery show, epic failure. I think it's interesting the gallery thing. Like it's and it's I feel like it's probably um it, it's awkward for me like because I've got my work in galleries and I'm represented by galleries, but it's not always been that way. But I know that the first few years when I when that was something I desperately wanted, I think it's because especially when I was at art school, that was one of those there's not many things that are a, that you can look at in terms of this is what an artist looks like. Mm. You know, and they you know, put their work with galleries. But I think these days what an artist looks like is so different. Oh, yeah. So it's like it's – I probably seemed very surprised before when you thought that that was one of your failures because I look at you and think, oh, you're – I was saying to Phoebe today, I think one of the things I've always admired about you is you seem to be so business savvy and mm. do that side of things so well and all of your courses and all I can think about is, oh, God, I wish I could do some of those things. Like I feel like I've – I've found time to do one thing, which is like the making part of it. But in terms of the sharing and teaching and learning and growing and like I listened to you and Louise t- like talk about how you've learnt about SEO and YouTube and I think, oh, God, that's so much that you've learnt and done so professionally and so well. But that's not what we imagine when we think of this is what an artist looks like. Mm, the model of being an artist nowadays is just so vastly different to what it was when we were kind of setting off to university or whenever. It was much more narrow, wasn't it? Mm. It used to be much more narrow and now it's so much broader and that Mm. brings its own problems because there are perhaps so many different routes that you can go down. Mm. I I think it's finding that one that sort of, because I've got quite a few friends that have got a really diverse set of income streams. So I can, thinking of one at the moment that um, does some pattern design and does some online things and also, you know, does some painting and it's sort of the, each little thing makes up part of her personality, which works really well. And sometimes I look at that and I feel jealous because I'm like, I just do this one, I just do the one thing really. I just do painting and I do, you know, as much of that as possible and as little admin as I can possibly do. Um, and that's kind of it. But that's worked for you. I bet that works for me and yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't do my life and the way that I work personally wouldn't fit into any of the other things as much as I like the look of them. So yeah. Whereas I think if I only did painting, if I didn't have the membership, if I didn't have those connections, like the conversations that happen within that space, seeing Mm -hmm. other people, um, you know, explore things in a different way and do their own comeback and sharing and the learning that happens within that, that really fills me up. Yeah. Like that. You can see that. that you you yeah it really and and you know if I talk to Paul about it uh, and he said he says but you he said you'd be so fed up if you stopped yeah because mm-hmm. sometimes I go oh it's too much I'm exactly like you said Julie oh it's too much I'm trying to do too many things why is that there's no space <laughs> there's no time for me it's too much something has got to go and he's like but you couldn't he said if you didn't have that you'd be if it was just me and my paints and my shoes and, and you were in and you were in some galleries and that was how that was your life You'd, I think I I'd think drive you'd myself insane. Yeah. Mm. yeah, because your personality or, or whatever, you know, you, you know, when you're in the membership and when you're doing the calls or the videos or whatever, you're so in your element. Yeah. You can tell. It's not forced. It's not fake. It's not like put on or, you know, it's not like you've got, oh God, I've got to do one of these today. You I can do tell. Feel like, I do feel like that sometimes beforehand. <laughs> 
oh, which is normal every mm. Thursday da, 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 da. sometimes beforehand but as soon as I get into it as you say that it's that interaction that and it, there's a very different feeling with that kind of live interaction with other people even if it's a more content delivery thing mm. there's something in that kind of spark of working with other people that is absolutely essential for me yeah. but mm. as I've got older I do find that I, I need more I need a little bit more recovery time I need a little bit more of my own space as well I, I, I can't mm. go as full-on as I used to for sure mm. I think that teaching is just such a beautiful skill as well. I'm ho- I hope that when my kids are older and I've got a bit more time again, it'll be one of the things that I want to bring back in, like mm-hmm. some in-person teaching, whether it's at a high school level again or at university or at just a one-on-one course. I, mm. It's something that I, I really love, but I do. it is a huge time commitment in terms of the energy and the brain power, and it does take a lot. It gives you a lot as well, but, yeah, it's a big mm-hmm. thing, I think. I think also for women in particular, like where you are in your family dynamics has mm-hmm. a big impact because yeah. when you've got young children, <laughs> you've already got a whole bunch. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of other humans who are already relying on you for everything. Yeah, for sake, you know, teaching and, enough things right now. <laughs> yeah, it's enough. Well, it's certainly what yeah. you know. What's me? Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that that sort of thing flourished as the children started to get yeah. older. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have to remind myself of that sometimes when I sort of see, you know, you, do, you know, where you are, and and then I think, but well, I've still, you know, I've still got young kids that need me a lot of the time, most of the time that they're not at school, they need me, and there is only so many hours in the day. And then only so much of yourself that you can give away. How much are you painting at the moment, Alice? Would you say how much? Right are you getting? now, like zero. Like <laughs> one of my fail everyday things um, was I have totally, and this is quite unusual for me in the summer. Um, but I've written down fail to do any artwork this summer, like uh-huh. any. And when you like, say summer, like when that start? June. Uh, yeah, June. So two months in now. And usually, so often what happens, so that for quite a long time, so I plan my year around children's term times. Like, you know, when they are at school, that's yeah. when I'm more active in the studio and I'm quite conscious and I, I have a body of work that I'm working towards and I do that. Holidays come and initially I would try to do as much and I would get frustrated that I couldn't. Mm. And then I just decided, okay, well, you've just got to accept that this is this is not mm. going to happen in the same way. Um, but summer has traditionally been a kind of resource gathering time. Mm. I often do do sketchbook work that's not directly focused towards uh, paintings, but it's there. It just hasn't happened this year. I don't know whether it's because, you know, the week that we did have away that I could have done it. It literally rained every day. Like, can't see anything. It's grey. There's nothing to draw. Okay. <laughs> nothing to inspire me. <laughs> I'm bored. I feel like I've seen this view and this landscape too many times. There is nothing here to inspire me or interest me in this. Mm. Any Like, nothing was stimu- Nothing has been yeah. stimulating me. And it's also been a very chopped up summer of all sorts of graduations children coming and going things that need to be arranged quite a lot of stuff in limbo it hasn't Mm. felt settled at all so I've just let the whole lot drop Mm -hmm. everything has dropped went to the studio the other day the plants are dead (laughs) 
Like, <laughs> sounds like my studio. <laughs> you know, it's ready. It's got that kind of vibration hum mm. of being ready. And when it's ready, I'll start again. But I'm also thinking I'm doing quite a lot of other things. Like I've been doing EFT training. Mm. I've been doing quite a lot of that kind of work interested in this and i think i'm just i don't know what like, eft training is tapping that group tapping emotional freedom technique tapping. Have you heard of that <laughs> <laughs> he's like you're not saying human design we're not going to go we're not going down this road i'm hugely interested in it are you thinking of teaching that as well or is that just purely for yourself as a i'm not thinking of teaching it um i'm thinking i and i have been doing practice sessions oh, with people you know what i mean um, it. yeah it's very powerful it. It's very powerful. And I, it, it, at the beginning of the year when I signed up for it, I thought, this is a random detour. And I'm so glad that I did it. But I do just, I wonder how much, how much, you know, when you learn and that all of that kind of stuff is, is, it's not new in terms of experiencing it, but it's new in terms of learning it. And I think there's probably only so much you can do at one time. So I'm happy mm. to just kind of give into yeah. it. I think. Once we've got a skill for something, it's a bit like riding a bike, isn't it? I, I don't feel stressed about the fact that I'm not creating artwork at the moment. Yeah. No, if you've, if you've learned a whole new thing, you've got to let that kind of um, integrate, I guess. Have you, always, have you always been that way? Like 10 years ago, if you hadn't created artwork through your summer, would you have been as easy to... Um, would you, yeah, would it would have... Would stressed, have stressed you out yeah. or...? It would have been disastrous in my okay. head. Really? It would have been, yeah, it would have been, it would have been, um, how, how can you call yourself this? Why are you not interested? Um, yeah. Just a whole load of stories, you know, which, which actually, you know, some came from me, but also some came from other people. Like until quite recently, my mum, if we went on, if we were on a holiday, um, I said, oh, we could go to this. You know, if we were in Italy or somewhere, we'll go a bit early and you can sit and do a sketchbook and do some drawing. And this was like, this was like even after I was making really abstract work and I was like, mum, I'm not doing sketches of like Italian markets. <laughs> it's not my jam. <laughs> it's not why. <laughs> you know, you should be. Have you you should be doing urban sketching, you know. <laughs> I went on a holiday once where I took a sketchbook with me, which is not my thing, and then just felt guilty the entire time because I'd always try and get the sketchbook out and think yeah. I'll do some sketching. I like and I try to, and I was I like, like this is not, I, I didn't bring one on this holiday. I, I like to not take them because otherwise mm. they are just like a guilty little every wa time waggy finger going. Yeah. <laughs> every time I sat down to sketch, I was like, I would just much rather be not sketching, eating and drinking right now. <laughs> Why am I sketching? reading about and also you're always kind of like it takes time right you're always and you always push for time a bit on holiday it's not how you want to be and I think unless you've really if you've really decided to go the only way to do that is to go on a traveling workshop mm. holiday mm. but yeah. trying to fit it in amongst family time it just doesn't work but we should do a poll like how many times have you gone on holiday taken your sketchbook and your art materials brought them home untouched before you finally said i am not doing this oh i think 20 25 90 percent of the time every single time yeah oh that's really good that you've embraced the um the summer of whatever will be will be and um you know i'm really interested 
I feel like it sounds sounds very similar to your week. Yeah, I've kind of got to that point as well. I haven't been doing um, EFT training. (laughs) I don't know what my (laughs) excuse is, but um, I am in a bit of a, yeah, I'm just going to let things go for a bit and not put any guilt on myself. I've called it hedgehog mode because it's kind of winter and I'm just not feeling it at the moment. Yeah. But, you know, instead of feeling bad about it, I'm just embracing it leaning into it I think we have a misplaced sense of time as well so often with these things and uh, you know me I am a planner Mm. Um, uh, and I think it's because planning settles my mind Mm. even if I then discard half of what is on my plan like like um, a couple of weeks, a year, five years. What kind of planning do you? What What does your planning look like? I, I kind of, I like to do a whole January plan the year thing. I like to have a bit of a check back again in September. I think that start of school year is quite ingrained <laughs> into us. And then you realise, oh my gosh, I've only got four months to go and I haven't done this, this, and this, yeah, this. Yeah. And like some of them by then feel irrelevant. Some things you've mm. done almost without realising. Um, but I think also, even at that point, that ability to consciously drop or discard something mm-hmm. is so essential. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. That is not a failure. Like if there is something on your list and you haven't done it mm-hmm. and you're now making a conscious decision that it's not relevant, you don't want it, it's not the right time, mm-hmm. that is a win. Yeah. You're not doing something for that reason. That is a big win. Mm-hmm. And I think probably we have to do that on some of those bigger things first where there is more structure like okay this is my plan for the year and I think when you can do it in that way it's probably easier to just let things go in a more relaxed manner on a day-to-day basis as well okay Mm. like out today so what tomorrow Mm. we'll see Mm. and just generally being a bit more fluid about all of that um Mm. That's yeah. Do you, do you also plan each month a bit as well, or is that much more kind of organic and seat of the pants method? Is <laughs> that surprises me? I I did think you would be a bit more structured. Which is I did you know. like I say I kind of like to have a structure. Very often to get me started, I like to make a structure. But once something is going, I do it totally on. I mean that's why I think it's quite difficult for me to work in a team like you say you look at the kind of business thing like it's really difficult like so last May I did have somebody help me launch the membership and we had a plan and we had a this and a this and oh my god it made my head I mean it was great having her but it I also realized this is not how I operate whereas this year I was like writing emails about root canal on the morning that they were supposed to go out during the membership launch it just felt much easier to do it that way Mm. and that's where you have really leaned into knowing who you are and how you operate and what feels right and what feels comfortable yeah and rather than seeing that as like a failure like I should be getting someone to help me and having a plan and sticking to it and doing the launch xyz and sorry guys I'm just gonna um, step out for a second it's all right Turn your torch off. <laughs> Put a torch on the phone. Oh my god. Poor little baby. Oh no, he's not asleep. No, he's not. <laughs> I don't miss this. It's quite nice to be here and remember 
how much I don't miss this. How old are they? Nine months and wow. yeah, the puppy is only nine months and the and then Theo's four, I think. So yeah, it's really nice to be on holiday in someone else's house and be like, oh, this is just this is just not I mean, I, me. I'm in I'm in complete awe, honestly. Yeah. Oh, she's and incredible. I, Absolutely incredible. Like I can't I feel very much like a lacking human in comparison to Julie with the amount she produces and but she's a, she's a night owl like she will paint once they're asleep until happily till midnight that's and then you know that she'll get six hours in a night and that's her happy place and that's how she works you know that's how she operates and that's that's comfortable to her and that's what she's been doing right up and before she had children so I think when you realise that someone's just working in, in the way that what suits them best and they haven't changed anything to fit in around children, you sort of, it's like, oh, well, that makes sense then because I couldn't have done that with the baby stayed up till midnight. But if that's just something you've always done, then it's your normal. But even this, this ability to, you know, yeah. do this and then there's something else that happens and pulls you away, It's it's it's... Right, I'm just, we're just, I'm just saying I'm in awe. Yeah. Oh. Julie's a special person. I just think like I'm half failing at all of it. I'm like... Julie was like, literally rang me going, you know, so I'm going to have the baby in October. So I think we should start doing the podcast. We should start recording the podcast. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> be be going to have a baby. She's like, oh, yes. Exactly. Perfect time to start a podcast. <laughs> I, knew, I knew I needed... Well, the, the thing... And now I understand it, like, and yeah. how you work and how she, she knew she wasn't going to be painting as much and that to keep you sane, you needed okay. something. something. Mm. And it makes so much sense. And knowing you now, like, as well as I've got to know you over the past sort of year, I suppose. Um, but from, from an outside perspective, looking in, yes, it does seem bonkers mm. completely. It wasn't because I felt like I needed to be achieving all of these no. goals. It was because I think with my first kid, I felt like I had nothing that was mine, if that makes sense. Yeah. Not... Total sense. Mm. Yeah. And so this was sort of like something I could do in little bits and pieces. And tonight is unusual. Like He's not very well. Yeah. Not mostly, most of the time, like for the last yeah. 30 weeks, I've been able to rely from like between six and midnight. Usually my kids won't wake up and it's a really good time for us to record usually. But this, the last two months have just been like, everything's up in the air. It's just like, we'll just have to go with it's what we get. And winter illnesses. And... Do you know what? The kids are really good for control freaks because there's nothing, I've got no control over it. Do you know what? It is what it is. And stressing mm. out about it, mm. it's not going to stop them from waking up. I can't make them go to sleep any quicker. It is what it is. Yeah. But you're anyway, right. It's, it's the biggest time. thing. It's the biggest oh, thing. It's like you know, what do they teach you? It's like, well, you're oh, not yeah. in, you're not in charge anymore. Yeah. Exactly. They teach you to let go. Because yeah, one of my friends reckons that you know kids are an exercise in eating your own words. Like you know, when you've always been that parent who's like, I remember saying to Phoebe that my kid, my first kid, didn't watch TV so much. Yeah, she was pregnant, and I was like, oh, let me know how that goes. It's a very what? swift What's fall from grace. <laughs> <laughs> let me know how that's going, Julie. Once you've got a baby, just like yeah, the TV's on a lot. <laughs> Anyway, I'm aware of the time, um, uh, so I don't want to uh, keep 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 the ball rolling. Have we asked you what your most recent failure is? is was that 
have you answered that yeah question? I think I think in in art terms the most recent oh, oh I'll tell you and I'll give you another recent failure which you nicely pointed out and um, before we started uh which was that you visited my website went oh she's got an open studio coming up no that was two months ago so um <laughs> failure to update my website so all of my current work <laughs> is it's done it's framed it's photographed and it's not what? uploaded not listed yeah not feeling it it'll happen yeah I yeah. had a I'm gonna release some work. That would that would never have happened before. Mm -hmm. Like, I I would have been in the in the flow of it and excited about it. Um, and I think I've just learned better to respond to like, even if there is, let's face it, as artists, we usually get to set our own deadlines or our own internal deadlines, mm. and probably on the whole other people aren't jumping up and down waiting like no. if you've announced something and you know then stick to it yeah. but otherwise you have the flexibility to change it if you don't feel like like if the energy is not in the right place mm. for it don't do it now wait until you yeah. feel it so mm. yeah. you know it's all there it's waiting falling in love with that on my own walls yeah and if you feel like if i list this then i'm gonna have to pack it up and set pack it up and send it if it sells and that's not what you want to spend your summer doing <laughs> so especially if you're trying to have space from your studio it's sort of those sorts of things I think that can creep up on you when you're thinking I'm going to take some time out from art but that all of those other little tasks actually can drag you back in when you are trying to have space and time away yeah I don't think it was a conscious time away but I do think perhaps that there was something in this most recent work um which is annoying that you can't see because it's not on my yeah, website I'd love to see it um, <laughs> that, that was quite different for me and I think very often I've noticed that it takes a little bit of time to really integrate that like when you finish work and you're at that stage where you're it's finished and then you get into the framing and photography it can get quite into those tick listy type jobs mm. and I think having the time to appreciate what you've just created, especially if it's something that's new to you, mm. I think you need that integration time with it. Mm. Um, and that's something that I've learned not to just go racing headlong into the next thing. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, there's a time to push and there's a time to, to relax and take it easy and just going back to that our own sense of time thing I think we expect sometimes too much from ourselves in a year mm. and once you relax and you can kind of go actually do you know what this this whole thing this is a 15 20 30 year project yeah mm -hmm. no one's gonna die if I don't go to the studio for two months yeah it's sort of it's interesting that we sort of always tend to think of things and how many things we complete or what we get done within a year like it's such an abstract concept like so made up what, yeah 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 it's yeah. yeah very freeing to kind of just release yourself from that idea I think to either pare it back or extend it out like you either look at things in terms of what you've done within one season or mm. you know over 5 10 20 years what am I hoping to achieve because mm. one year can go like this year for me has just gone so quick and it's been used up with so many things that I didn't think it would be um I much and, prefer working in seasons because yeah. I work so diff. I think I work so differently when it's cold, slow. You know, so much slower when it's cold, and 
I don't like the cold. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have to start thinking about life that way. Like I've always been an annual planner, but I feel like I'm going to have to start responding to, you know, where I'm at in each season instead mm. of. And when the kids get to school age, like, you know, you will realise yeah. because I, mm. you know, the summer for me is, I do attend to do a small project. I, I know for a fact I'm not going to do that this year. I'm I'm going to consciously take the summer off with the kids because they're getting older and my son, I'm probably only going to have two more summers with him really before he's 16 and off, 17 and off and he won't want to borrow me. So they'll come mm. back, I promise. But they come back all with a beard. Okay, so Alice, have you got any advice that you would give to younger you? What What would it be? Um... <laughs> There's a slightly try enjoy the stage that you're in, but I think it's a bigger it's a bigger part of that in that it's so when you if you look back over the last few years, like I could if you told me ten years ago what I'd be doing now, A, I wouldn't have believed you. Mm. B, it would have terrified me because I wouldn't have been ready for it I'd have no anticipation Mm. or understanding of what my capabilities were what I would enjoy it would have just all felt impossible and that would have been really quite scary so I think all you can ever do is just is not plan too far ahead because you you can't imagine it you can only do the next mm. season or the, and and just keep that kind of flexible approach but i think the, the biggest the biggest thing that anybody can do i've written down gather your mind i don't even know what that means um <laughs> but I like it, it, it's not it's a very it's a very different thing for me than it's not like get your mindset sorted it's just it's more of that sense of awareness and I think we are so we are good at this or we should be good at this as artists like our inherent skill should be sensitivity and awareness Mm. and filtering like whether that's what we see visually that's what we want to pull from the world around us what we want to create that's what we do really well and the most important thing you can do that with is yourself. So that's, I think that's what I mean when I say gather your mind. And that's why I am so interested now in things like, like the EFT, how we make decisions. I was talking yesterday, I've had this, two, two phrases that I've had relative to my art for a long time. One is, um, you know, what I paint is the places where we find ourselves mm. and that I don't mean literal landscapes, even though that's what started. Um, and the other thing is that what I love about art is its decisions made visible. Mm. Like all the million decisions that you've made in a painting come out into this physical end product. And I'm just, I'm fascinated with how we make those decisions. We've talked about discarding things like all of those things that are so much part of life. And I think we learn so much from art in the process of doing it but art is almost a byproduct the thing that's really interesting to me is like how we gather ourselves as humans and make progress through our life so gather your mind and that's going to mean something totally different to you when you're 30 and 40 and 50 and everybody with different life experiences Mm -hmm. it is never a waste of time doing that stuff 
Um, if I told my younger self that, she would have gone, what a load of woo-woo nonsense. <laughs> yeah. What would your 20-year-old self thought about EFT? You know? I, I can tell you, I can tell you what I first thought about EFT when I heard about it. Was it a bit like what Julie think? <laughs> totally. And also, hmm, but that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's give it a go. And that's yeah. how it started 10 years ago. I'm massively interested. I'd l- I hope that you share more about it. Because, you know, will we, will you? Are you planning on? Or is it sort of a very personal thing that you want to kind of hold on to closely at the moment? I think I would love to share more about it. Um, at the moment, I'm not quite sure. And I, I can't quite see where it fits. Like, I don't want to suddenly go, here's a booking schedule. Right. Right. That doesn't feel right at the moment. Um, but I am I'm planning uh, a couple of retreats next year, which in my own head are kind of like totally fixed and will happen. But practicality, I've got to get a few things sorted out, which is proving a little bit mm. problematic. And it will come into those more. I think I think there is for definite a pivot coming where all of those things start to become more mm. integrated simply because that's the thing that's getting me kind of fired up and interested. Um, art is not going to stop for sure. No. Well, that's good. Um, but I think there's just a, 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 I don't know if it's a shift or a broadening out. I don't know. Well, like a whole new, like, would you do a whole new thing? Like a, you know, a rebrand on a fresh page. That feels exciting. I can't, I can't remember probably because I've been sleep deprived the last eight months, but I can't remember if it was you or Louise that was using their Shatki mats at the end of last year. It was Alice. Yeah. Would you know? Cause I mean, she got me into it. Well, that was, so I remember thinking, I, I remember seeing them and thinking, oh, no. Nah. And then hearing you talk about it every week and going, oh, I'm a bit curious. And then you were like, I've been trying it too. And then now I'm like, what is this thing? What, what are we, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, you're very much like this. No, no, no. And then I'm like, I'm a bit curious. <laughs> Just feed me a bit more information subtly. Yeah. So have you got one? No, not yet. But, <laughs> you know, baby steps. <laughs> open it up a little bit ready for yeah. maybe trying one the first time you do it you will go what on heaven's earth would possess anybody <laughs> to do yeah. this yeah pretty much but, and that now I don't but again you see I'm massive I'm deeply inconsistent like I don't do that like as a practice I don't do it every day I don't do it no. for 10 minutes I I will mm. forget about it for three weeks and then go oh do you know what I really need that lie on it for an hour fall asleep have the best night's sleep that I've had for ages that's what mm. I need to do tonight that's what I need to do do you know what I actually do need to do it not here because I haven't got one but when I go back it, it did help with my sleep interesting we need to have like a thing that just reminds you of all the things that are good that you've tried in the past that you forget about if you, if you did everything come on let's face it if you drank all your water you ate your brazil nuts for selenium you <laughs> exercises if you did brush your steps it's a full time left full-time day job just staying alive you know sometimes I sort of just think about it as you know how when you have I don't you have you ever done like make your own pizza exercises with kids where you've got all of these different ingredients I think sometimes you've just got to decide what kind of pizza you want today so like maybe you want to drink your water and go for a walk Mm. but you probably won't have time for doing yoga and painting and reading a book so it's sort of just like what's going to fill up your 
your pizza or your you know life that day you don't have to do those things every day or even every week like Mm. you can Mm. I think there's something nice about changing what you're doing quite often so that there's always yeah there is just as much niceness in a daily practice as there is with change in every day I'm very much like yeah my husband has to do yoga every morning at the same time I'm crap at that sort of consistency except with art no I just like to just be a bit more what do I feel what do I need pick and mix yeah Mm. Is that's a better analogy, the pick and mix? But I know that but I've tried the EF, you know, but not like the, how you do it with the EFT with with the proper skills and knowledge. But how, if I do get through um, times of quite bad anxiety, one of the first things I do is look on YouTube for like an EFT video and do the tapping. And I and I don't know whether it's you know you'll probably say it is, but whether it's the actual science behind it or whether it's just the act of feeling like I'm controlling something and I'm doing something that makes me feel better um whether it's psychosomatic or actually physically does no there's a physiological change it works it works on your cortisol so it that's why it actively reduces your stress Mm. interesting I'm gonna have to google it see Julie Mrs dismissive it's I'm, like I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm skeptically not. curious. She's skeptically curious. <laughs> Perfect. It's Perfect. the best way to be. Way to be. Yeah. Well, let's face it. I don't have much time for reading too much, but too many things right now. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll try it out. Send you the relevant. Yes, do that. Yeah. And then when my kids sleep again, I can take on. I'll know where to look first. <laughs> I and I think that's the thing about it for me is it can it can be very quick. It can be a like if you do mm. get into a into a state about something. It can be a three-minute change of state, totally different. Mm. Mm. Um, and I quite like that. The impatient me quite likes that. Yeah, I like. A, I have to be honest. I do like a quick fix. <laughs> Don't want yeah. anything that's going to take too long. Yeah, I want to be good yeah. now. I want to be better now. Yeah, yesterday, ideally. <laughs> Just imagine if you were perfect and better now. What yeah. would you have to do for the rest of your life? Yeah, exactly. Be boring. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we need a bit of flux. Yeah, I've just noticed the um the time. I hope we're not keeping yeah, you too I'm long, sorry. Alice. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alice. It's been so interesting. I just want to, to keep you. talking. <laughs> such, you're such a wealth of knowledge, and you know we really do appreciate you that you're taking time out of your you know summer off to chat to us. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will already listen to Art Juice and love you from that. Mm. Um, but yeah, you you just feel like a very generous person and and you've always got kind of like a wise but I don't know not too serious take on things which I think is a really refreshing thank you so much I'm not very serious I'm not very serious Uh, I feel like I've learned so much in that conversation just from how thoughtfully you consider what how much you've changed over the past few years and what you've learned from that and even just your approach to the, the not failures how, you, how your outlook has sort of shaped your the way that you work and your approach to it and uh, but I think it is all it's all process and progress you know mm. from a self-confessed recovering perfectionist control freak mm. and that's the thing that surprises me a bit like if we go back to what would your younger self say mm. like wouldn't it be lovely to be able to do that? Introduce your younger self to your older self mm. and Shake play them. the game. <laughs> but also play the game about like, what would your 
what's your 65 year old what's your 75 year old Mm. self going to look like and that's where the planning thing is is really because you can't plan for that exactly you can have an idea of what that person might like to have experienced or Mm. learned in their life and just work towards that a little bit more Mm. it seemed because I always say to myself I'd love to be a lot more relaxed about things and there's some stuff that I think being a mum has taught me that I never would have been able to sort of overcome that um that I guess almost like a paradigm shift in the way that you think but it's sort of when I think about I wonder if I'll ever get to the point where I can be that relaxed with other areas of my life it's sort of interesting hearing you to think about talk about the way that you used to be more Mm. controlling or perfectionist around things and now you're sort of just like able to let it go like the way that you was listening the other day to your podcast when you were talking about how you got locked out of your mm. Facebook and you were just like, well, you know, oh, well, I'm like, oh, see, that's, yeah. I was a bit more annoyed the second time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, clearly it's, you, you know, it's frustrating. You're annoyed, but, but the way yeah. you didn't sort of catastrophize it and kind of. Go, mm. And I also do still, you know, completely lose my SHIT from time to time. Have like, you know, massive rows with my nearest and dearest. Yeah. But then you Still know happens. we're human. <laughs> there we go. It's lovely talking to you. I just think you know the magic of you know talking and connecting across the other side of the world and yeah. feeling yeah. like I know it's just insane, isn't it? How we can kind of feel like we know you, particularly you, Phoebe, because I've mm. you know we've seen each. I've seen being yeah. in touch with you more. Um, Nervous, but I was very nervous coming on tonight, Alice. So thank you so much. Yeah. It's been really lovely to sort of feel like I've gotten to know you a little bit, and yeah, it, it's really lovely having a conversation and just sort of it's amazing how easily you can sort of slip into feeling like you know someone after hearing yeah. them on a podcast for a while. Like, so I would not normally sort of ask the sort of personal questions that I've just sort of been and tell me what happened with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, there's an intimacy, that, isn't there? Mm, yeah. There's an intimacy with a podcast. I think that's what makes them so good to listen to, and I think. You know, you, you, the, the the theme of yours, that's why it's such a cracking idea. So it was lovely mm. to be invited. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your birthday celebrations and that the sun comes out for you this summer <laughs> a little bit lovely. more. I'm cooking today. So I made panna cotta last night for the first oh, time ever. Yeah, I'm um, It's one of my favourite things. Mm. I don't know why it's taken me this long to make. If it works, it was literally the easiest dessert I have ever oh, made. Send us the recipe, please. Thank you. Yeah, see if it's and make various other little goodies to go with it. So, um, yeah, I'm having a cooking day today. So, oh, enjoy. That's well, still creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. See you soon. Okay. Thanks so much, Alice. Bye. Bye. That was such a fun interview. I just wanted to keep chatting. I feel like I learned so much. No, I didn't. I, I had the, we didn't have the time on show. We had the, um, the Skype was like covering up the time. And then when I moved it at the, at the end, I was like, oh no, we've really gone over an hour. <laughs> so we might have to uh, cut this one down um, a bit. So it's not too long for you guys. But uh, that was just such a lovely chat. And um, she's so lovely and generous and sort of just easygoing and, um, really honest uh, you know I was fine with Alice she's so willing to just be so frank and open about things um, very aware of where she's been mm. and how she's gotten there and where she's come I feel like she's done a lot of um, thinking about uh, a lot of reflecting mm. and actually I feel like she's not one who would just make the same mistake again and again like she would make it and think about it and I mean I'm totally assuming here but yeah I 
I feel like I learned a lot from hearing all of that, which is really interesting. Yeah, she's just really, um, just seems really wise. Yeah, and um, I think it comes across with the, the podcast and, and definitely in the um, Connected Artist Club that she runs, that she is just so willing to kind of, you know, admit to things when they're not working or they haven't worked and mm. in a very unflappable kind of, oh, pfft, tried it, didn't work, moved on. Mm. Not in a kind of like, um, no, you know, I know everything way at all. She's just so sort of um Not a lot of honest. wallowing. Yeah. yeah. She just sort of tells it how it is and, and it's really refreshing and frank. Yeah, that's mm. the word that just came to mind for me as well. Yeah. So, yeah, really enjoyed that chat. So thanks so much, Alice, for um, letting us sort of pick your brains there for quite a long time. <laughs> and um, I hope you all enjoyed that. And, um, you know, obviously do go give Alice a follow if you're not already and um, listen to Archie's if you don't, because, you know, it's lovely to support podcasts. There's room for us all. So um, we'll pop a bunch of links to Alice's work and the Connected Artists Club and Art Juice in the newsletter this week. So go along and check that out yeah. as well. I know that the Connected Artists Club isn't always open, um, but there is a waitlist thing that you can sign up to, I'm yeah. pretty sure, on yeah. her website. So, yeah, it's it's not sort of a open all year thing. She she sort of has it closed with, you know, a capped n- number of members and then oh, re-evaluates smart. that, yeah. I think, sort of annually. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks so much. And I hope you enjoyed that. And, um, yeah, let us know your thoughts. We'll hear hear you next week. (laughs) We'll, We'll speak to you all next week. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Julie. Thanks, Phoebe. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Oh, yeah. Well, when this goes out, I'll have been gone a long time ago, probably. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care for now. Bye. Keep failing. Beep. 